Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The volume. The Three and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook. Very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What's going on, 3 and Out Podcast? How we doing? Big show. I'm joined by Coward. Colin, that is. Colin Coward after the Monday Night Football game. I don't even think we talked about the Monday Night Football game, but we talked some football, recorded a bunch of other stuff about other parts of football, Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff. Slide up into those DMs. You listen to Colin's podcast through his feed to listen to me. Make sure you listen or subscribe to my feed. And let's uh, let's just dive right in. First, if you're watching on YouTube, our friends at TurtleBoxAudio.com, the best and loudest portable Bluetooth speaker on the market, longest battery life. Christmas is right around the corner. We all stress out about what we're going to get our friends, our family for Christmas. That's where friends at TurtleBox come in. Like I said, longest battery life, loudest Bluetooth speaker. And here's the other thing. They personally uh, personalize colors for NFL and collegiate teams. Uh, Barbecues, summer parties, winter parties, you name it. TurtleBox has you covered. It's loud. I listened to it today. Outside in the kitchen, I was in the shower and I could hear it because it's so loud. TurtleBoxAudio.com, promo code John, TurtleBoxAudio, promo code John, $20 off and free shipping, promo code John, J-O-H-N. Get yourself one right now. I can't recommend it enough. Let's dive into the show. Okay, here on a special Monday night edition, I uh, I was listening to him today with, with J-Mac talking a little football that the news broke right before your show. Uh, I, I guess we could just go into that. That's bigger news than anything we witnessed tonight. I, I heard when Frank got fired, and then I think an hour or two later, it got announced that you, your initial reaction, here, Colin Coward, uh, Frank Reich got fired after getting his ass kicked by by Belichick. Yeah, I mean, I think Frank's a good coach. I think the world we live in now with social media is that everybody's willing to join the avalanche. Nobody wants to get buried by it. So nobody wants to ever go on social media and have 
an opinion that doesn't follow suit to the masses. Um, but the truth is, Frank Reich is a really good coach. He took Carson Wentz, who a lot of people thought was shot, and got 27 TDs and seven interceptions with a number two receiver, Michael Pittman, and not a great tight end and a declining offensive line. It's like, that's not terrible. In the better AFC, it's not terrible. Um, and then the very impulsive Jim Ursay said, because of that, you know, regrettable performance in Jacksonville, Colt of Ola struggled down there, whatever it is. Um, Ursay flipped the lid on the flight back home and told him, get rid of him. Okay, now you're scrambling. What, what, you know, you're too good to get a top pick. Do you have to give away multiple picks to move up in the draft? Uh, and now they look around the market and it's like they had to overpay for Matt Ryan. And now they're screwed as a franchise. He's a big cap hit this year and next. So, you know, again, look at the owners who have meddled. Dan Snyder uh, on a quarterback pick. Uh, the late Dwayne Haskins, if you remember that, that was his pick. Um, uh, Al Davis at the end of his reign, the late Al Davis. Uh, now Jim Ursay. It never works. Ursay's not even that. Ursay's not even that old, Colin. He looks seventy-five, but he's actually in his early sixties. And I think he's making a mistake here. Ballard will keep his job. That's my understanding. But uh, somebody had to be the fall guy. They got rid of the offensive play caller uh, two weeks ago. I think La last week. Yeah. yeah and there's uh, some. Sean Payton told me today he doesn't think he actually called plays. Somebody had to be the fall well, guy. My, my question though is. You know, I think Frank had some moments and was handed a rough situation when he rough. first got there. Yeah. And honestly, when he had Rivers, who was at the end of his career, they had an 11-win season. They were right there in the last couple of years. Okay, so there you go. Rivers and Wentz. I can argue he got more out of them. Yeah, last year, I mean, they did lose. I mean, that last game, yeah. Colin, the Jags game, I mean, yeah. they, they, got, they got their ass kicked by a team that ended up having the number one overall pick. And this year clearly wasn't going well. Uh, you know, I Matt Ryan, once they traded Wentz, they were in a tough situation. But once they get Matt Ryan, he is the co former quarterback, offensive coordinator, head coach. You know, do they – because he wasn't going to be the head coach next year, so firing him now. Now, the Jeff Saturday thing, I guess ultimately my take is I bet Ursay looks at his staff and goes, they all suck. I'm not making any of these guys – you know, the interim coach where Tepper, whatever it was three or four weeks ago, probably personally like Steve Wilkes and be like, you know, this is an easy one. Give him a shot. Maybe Ursay's like, screw all these guys is really kind of up in his feelings and bitter. But this is, I mean, it's pretty bizarre. You know, it's, it's a little out of left field in the middle of the sea. I mean, how does Jeff Saturday know the majority of the team's name, the guys on the team's names. How's he going to well, know the – he just won't know any of these people. Well, and also, um, it looks so impulsive and scattered, any top candidate would pass. Sean Payton won't even look at that job. Um, you know, let's say there was somebody uh, from college football. You wouldn't even look at that job now. So, you know, if you look at – we have on average seven to eight openings – a lot of times, John, the key is how attractive you can make it look for the next guy. So with Matt Ryan's contract, uh, and they have one of their tackles, I think the right tackle, Brad Smith, I think I'm getting his name right, um, DeForest Buckner, the defensive lineman. Um, I think they have a linebacker they pay a lot to. Leonard, they don't have a ton of cap yeah. space. 
They don't have a number one receiver. They have an old quarterback. It's not a, and they have an impulsive owner. So like when you're going to move off a job, right? If you're going to, if you're going to fire a coach, you don't want to seem rash or impulsive because, you know, the marketplace, let's say the Chargers job is open. Well, that's going to be the most attractive, not saying it is, but, or the Raiders job. I get all those offensive weapons. That's pretty, or Arizona. I get Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, those, those are, you've got some attractive pieces there. What about Indy today? Owner, weapons, quarterback, cap space. What's attractive about it? I would say the most attractive thing is they have had a talented team and their GM is a pretty consistent human being. Yeah. You know, that that would feel. But, you know, in situations like this, if the owner is going to be the modern day kind of Al Davis, Jerry Jones, or think he is, it's that trumps everything. Because yeah. once he starts doing that, uh, I mean, is this did you did you work at all with Jeff Saturday? You've been around the guy. Oh, I, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I mean, every, he's a pretty high level. That's my thing. Like the pushback. Having seen Howie and Andy, it's easier to be a GM in the sense of you don't have to yell at players or anything. There's an element of being a coach that is just more difficult than the GM. But like Jeff Saturday, like so when Mayock and Gruden kind of came out of nowhere and became GMs, it's an easier transition than if I just took some former player at 50 years old because he played 20 years ago and just made him head coach. That's tough. But this guy did. I mean... I always say that Brady and Manning were the magic and bird of my life. You know, they took the NFL to a whole new heights. They were the two best teams. And this, you know, the Colts were the second best team of the 2000s, right? They just couldn't really beat New England for a long period of time. And he was, he was, Peyton's hand was in his butt every day for six months a year. Right. He saw, I mean, they were the second best team in the, basically the league for a decade. Right. So this guy, and he came in as an undrafted free agent, a little Steve Currish. Right, came in the hard way, but seen the best of the best, had to deal with the best of the best, clearly an intelligent guy. So I do think he's going to be able to relate with everyone, but you know, practice plans, uh, the, the management of everything. I mean, there's a lot. It's not like Andy Reid just kind of dictates everything or Belichick, right? There's a lot that goes into the daily life that if you've never worked up wow. at all, then even Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel doesn't go from coach to player, works with Urban, then went with Bill O'Brien, kind of cut his teeth as a position coach, recruited, you know, saw a lot of, even though he basically made the jump in six or seven years, he still put in some time to learn some of the nuts and bolts. So to me, I guess my overall take, it's borderline impossible <laughs> to be ready, well, even if you are a super high level guy and a good football guy. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but the argument could be made that Saturday is a good guy. They won't win a lot of games with him. They need a quarterback. I mean, you get a better draft pick, you lose a lot of games. Jacksonville's in every game they play. Tennessee's clearly better. Um, you know, it wouldn't be the world's worst thing if you got better draft picks. I, I think they're really trapped. They've never recovered from Andrew Luck. I think they're one of those trapped franchises. I mean, GM yeah. Chris Ballard is smart. There's only so much you can do. Um, can you move, uh, could you move one of your top pieces? Um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting in the NFL. Now San Francisco's rare. They have a star in every unit, linebacker, safety, corner, edge rush, you know, running back, uh, tight end receiver. They're really, really rare. But to me, the best roster when healthy in the league, their fullbacks, a pro bowler. Um, <laughs> yeah. Stud. Uh, yeah. So 
But I mean, I mean, their kick, their kickers reliable. I mean, they just they really they got good. everything. But if you look at Indy, they're good in a lot of places that don't matter: interior line, linebacker, safety. You know, you've really got to if you really go look at what the Chargers did. So the Chargers get Herbert and then Rashawn Slater. Then they go by a center. And what did they do this offseason? A corner Khalil Mack. and an edge rusher. Yeah. Like there's six positions you got to get right. And Indy's good at a lot of them, just not those six. They don't have a great left tackle, a dynamic quarterback, a number one receiver. They could use another corner, uh, an elite edge rusher. They're really good in a lot of spots, but not the key spots. And, you know, it, 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 it reminds me of little of Midwest Green Bay. You know, Bakhtiari is falling apart. They don't have a number one receiver. They don't have a great edge. I like their corner, but they need more weapons. They have really good linebackers. You know, they're great. You know, Green Bay, yeah, I feel like they're great at running back. You don't have to be. Um, I just think the Colts have got to kind of reprocess how they draft. They've got to get greater and more dynamic at like five key positions. And you can't do that in a draft unless you're the Seahawks and like literally ace a draft. Yeah, I, I think sports, like acquiring players, especially in the NFL, it's like a lot of things in life. It's easy to talk yourself out of it. Oh, this house is too expensive. You know, you can just, you can nitpick things instead of this is where I was wrong on the McCaffrey trade. It's like, you know, do you really need to give that extra fourth round pick? Who gives a shit? Because when he's healthy, he's you know, LaDainian Tomlinson in 2022. And that's where the Niners and the Rams, and I don't know if you saw the story, and maybe you talked about it on the show, but like the Packers were willing to trade a first-round pick for DJ Moore. Yeah. Did you did you see yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I saw that. And it's like, if they would have had that mindset over the last five or six years consistently, yeah. they, they might not be in this spot. Right. And they found themselves in a position where really the only guy they kind of wanted wasn't really there to be had. Yeah. You know, but th- there have been countless guys like well, this over the years. You know, Andy Reid's always willing to like, okay, you want my 30th pick? I'll go get your sweet player. Sean McVay, boom. Right. Well, I always, I think this makes sense. No man's land early in the draft is like pick 20 to pick 32. Right. It's yeah. it's because most GMs I've talked to tell me there's about 16 every year, 16 to 17 great talent, different makers. Like they're going to start. Uh, Guys that you have first round grades on. Yeah. And then uh, you go from about the 17th, 18th player to about the late second round, and they're all kind of the same guy. You know, they've got a hole, but you like them. And so if, I've always believed in the draft. I would, if I'm a really good playoff team, I would always give up my late first for like a Pro Bowl starter. Like DJ Moore uh, is better than anybody, at least for the first year and probably two. DJ Moore is going to be better in a normal Green Bay year where they have the uh, you know 23rd pick, 24th pick. He's going to be better than any player there, certainly as a rookie, and probably, even if the kid hits, probably the second year. Right, it'll take that receiver late second, early thirty pops. Yeah, Cooper Cup took four years to pop. So Jamar Chase is an outlier. So I think Devontae Adams took two and a half. Yeah, you know, I mean, it takes a while. So I think I think Green Bay. It's of their nature. It's the smallest town in professional sports in America. They don't have an owner, which I never thought. I never thought that was a weakness until about seven, eight years ago, where you get these younger owners, these more uh, aggressive GMs, or Stan Kroenke, the Hunt family, Jeffrey Lurie, 
They'll just go buy a player. They can be talked into it quickly on the tarmac, right? Like, I mean, that's literally how Sean McVay talked Stan Kroenke into Matt Stafford. He's on the tarmac and he's like, Stan, we need him. Here's why. And Stan's like, okay, 10,000 feet. He's off in, you know, he's off to Denver, wherever he's flying to. So Green Bay doesn't have an owner. And and I think Mark Murphy is kind of, uh, I think he's very capable, very smart. But the no owner thing, kind of the Midwest values, don't overspend. People are different in the Midwest. It's more frugal. They're not the capital. They don't spend as freely or as willingly. And that's why Andy Reid is so unique. Like he's just a big market spender. He's going to go big, yeah. rebuild stuff. And that a lot of a lot of places just don't still don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, I've always thought you are kind of who you are in the business who teaches you. You know, he he kind of cut his teeth in Green Bay with Mike Holmgren, with Favre and Reggie White. So he saw the power of big stars and talent, and then right away he gets to Philly, Donovan McNabb, Brian Dawkins. It's it's a powerful thing to have impact players. I think Sean McVay has seen that up close and personal, right? Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald, they get Jalen Ramsey, Kyle Shanahan. It, it matters because it impacts you in these big games. Because in big games... Your role players matter, but your stars win you the games or not. Right. You know, the 49ers won two road playoff games last year because they had studs, you know, because they didn't have great quarterback play. And that's what's crazy. Like, I, I agreed with you over the years on the Pete and John Schneider. You know, it felt more Russell for a couple of years really carrying the franchise. Yeah. But I watched them, and I've watched them a lot this year. But yesterday, I mean, playing a franchise that's in shambles. And it was clear, like, Seattle's buttoned up. They have good players. They're well-run, and obviously Arizona's not. And the final score was not indicative of what you witnessed when you watched that game. Seattle kicked their butt. Oh, Seattle was And that running back they had was a stud. Worked them, you know. Are you – I mean, I know you've talked about it, but you got to be a little surprised by how well they look. Obviously, oh. Geno's one of the stories Listen, of the year. Oh, I uh, there is no precedent for Seattle. A quarterback pops in year eight. I mean, Rich Gannon, maybe. Um, you know, I think for, for years and years, you know, Seahawks fans today will say, Hey, uh, you guys really whiffed. Well, but then you Seahawks fans whiffed for the previous five years when you thought they were going to go back to the Super Bowl. This defense has been declining for years. The drafts have been really hit and miss, mostly miss for years. And I think this draft felt like John Snyder, not Pete Carroll, and the scouts took it over. It was a it's it's really the best draft since Pete's like second year, first year. I mean, two starting tackles, a star running back, a star corner in the fifth round, uh, the edge rusher. Their first five draft picks are all elite players. Now, the Jets got their first four appear to be really, really good. But, John, you did this. You're a former pro scout. To get four high end starters in a draft is almost unheard of. Seattle may have gotten five. <laughs> It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. So that's part of it. And I also think Pete's history, um, you know, Sean Payton today on the show said he's shocked by Seattle. Pete's always been a really good teacher and motivator. I've talked to older players and they're like, listen, Pete's stories can wear you out. His sort of gum chewing, relentless energy can kind of wear you out after like six yeah. or seven years. But there's a reason he crushed in college. By the time you get worn out, you graduate. Right. That's the thing about Saban. By the time you're just about done with Saban, you're done with Saban. And I think Pete's energy and his motivation and his teaching qualities are great with young teams. And I think his history shows it. And this is a really young team. 
I mean, what an advantage. You don't, if I was Seattle and they're going to have big cap space, I'd go buy the best center on the market. Go buy the best center on the market. I'd probably go get another corner. But I mean, can you imagine not having to worry about paying a tackle left or right for seven, eight years, an edge rusher, an elite corner? Yeah. I mean, those are, that's what the Colts need. They've got all of them and wow. we'll have to pay them for four years. So they are really, and next year, John, because of Russell Wilson trade, two firsts, two seconds, two fourths. If they, if they do fairly well in this draft, this is going to be a Super Bowl roster. I mean, that, that clearly it'll be, if they get the quarterback right, it's a Super Bowl team. Well, and if Geno can just sustain it, I, I don't know if he's good enough to win a Super Bowl, but they're going to be competitive. I had a guy with the Jets tell me that he's like, we have crushed the draft the last couple of years. And you watch him. One of my takeaways at Jets-Bills game, the talent differential in the two teams, beside the quarterback, you couldn't notice much. But he said, we can let's pick our top nine picks over the last couple of years because they've had a bunch of first and second rounders. If we hit on eight of the nine, and then these guys become pro bowlers, impact players. And the one we miss on is Zach Wilson. We might be in trouble. Big, big picture. That's right. But if we hit on the one and miss on six of the other eight, but it's Zach Wilson, we're, we're flying high. And that's when I watch them. Like they, they're playing well as a team. But that quarterback, I mean, they, they he can't really function. I mean, he's they got a problem if he's not able to take a pretty big step in the next couple of years because every year he's got to play the Bills. I know they beat him, but it wasn't because of him. And Belichick, and even now Miami can score. Like, Zach Wilson's a problem for the Jets because you can watch their team if you just know anything about football and go, Jesus, they got some players. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, they're past and the co And the coach feels like he's kind of like got something going. Yeah, well, what the Jets really have is maybe the best pure corner in the league so they could put him on Stephon Diggs take out the big play for the Bills. The Bills don't have a running game. So now what are you doing? You're throwing on third and seven. Well, that pass rush, they don't have to bring extra men. No. So Green Bay locks down Stephon Diggs, doesn't bring extra people, gets a tremendous pass rush, doesn't respect Buffalo's run game, doesn't have to. And all of a sudden, you know, when you take out, I, I always call the Bills Mike Tyson, like, if you take out the knockout punch, not much of a jab there, right? No. If you take out Stephon Diggs and the Josh Allen home runs and say, okay, beat me on nuance, you watched yesterday. It's not part of Buffalo's game. Well, that, that was my take on the Chiefs game. The, the Chiefs had their C-minus game, yet Andy, Mahomes, they, they, they don't wilt. They, they Even when they're playing like shit and Kelsey, they, they just are able to stay focused and they just find a way. They're down 17-9. to nine. They have the big drive. They win it in overtime. I don't think the Bills win that game. That's right. And they, they haven't. You know, But the Chiefs, to me, that's the difference in the two teams and really the two quarterbacks. And hopefully, for all of our sake, he doesn't have a major elbow injury. That, that would be awful because they would be done. It, if, if Josh Allen's elbow injury is serious, what a break for Miami, not just in division. But if you if you sort of look at it, the trouble spot for Miami, it would be a road January playoff game with small yeah. Tua that pass rush. You'd be like wind. I mean, Tua underthrows not occasionally every deep ball. They're all underthrown. Yeah. So he throws. You, he's got a lollipop on. Yeah. So you can see Miami. Uh, you can see around the corner and go. The trouble spot for them is that. Windy, cold weather game in Kansas City, in Buffalo, and Cincinnati. 
Because their defense isn't that good either. They're not, not built to play like that. Yeah. And and that front seven for Buffalo and healthy is the deepest in the league. So all of a sudden you take Josh Allen out. They're not winning many football games. With, is it Case Keenum's the backup? Okay, now you win yeah. the division. You get a Miami home game. So now you only have to go on the road one time. You know, one. And by the way, Cincinnati could play a Kansas City. They knock each other out. So like. This Josh Allen thing, Miami is a huge. They're the team in the league that really needs desperately a home field playoff game because in their divisions, the coldest city in the country of size, Buffalo, uh, Chicago yeah. and Buffalo. So I looked at that Josh Allen thing and I thought, boy, what a, of all the teams, people would instinctively think what a break for the Chiefs. Kansas City could go to Buffalo and win. I don't doubt that for us. Oh, <laughs> but Miami, they're like the Warriors. They could play wherever. Yeah, but Miami, January 15th, no chance. They're not winning that game. Yeah. And so it was like, wow, what a break. And by the way, Miami's a great watch. I'm here for it. I love watching them play. Well, before I, because I wanted to ask you about Brian Kelly, but a lot of people, you know, because you look at the stats, Tua, MVP, to me, the MVP of the team is Tyreek Hill. And the one thing I underestimated, his competitive character, I thought, you know, he'd be one of these, a lot of times, definitely in my life, once the money really hit in the mid-90s and the 2000s, guys would get that third contract, and then they just kind of whatever. But it kind of, you look back at Tyreek, no wonder he was so good with the Chiefs, because his competitive spirit was just like Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. He's playing like with Tua, who's clearly not as good as the guy he was used to. Like, every game really matters. He has been incredible for them, though. And I can imagine when a guy with that many accomplishments who's a Super Bowl champ, no one else on the team has that, is playing that hard every single week. Yeah. I mean, Colin, he's got 76 catches. It's November 7th. <laughs> I mean, he's on pace for... It, 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 the Cooper Cup year last year was awesome. This looks a little different. I yeah. mean, no one's even around this guy. Right. And it's it's been impressive. And I know Andy always thought, like, people under... Tyreek's smart. Like, his ability to learn football. He goes, Mike McDaniel, smart guy. They have hit the ground running. And to me, he, not Tua, has carried that team. Yeah. No, I think he was always a field tilter. Um, you know, I, I said before the season, I said, Kansas City will be fine, but they won't score as quickly. They'll score. You know, Sky Moore and, and Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster, they'll, they'll score. But they're not going to score like that. You know, if you go look at the Tyreek Hill, Mahomes, Travis Kelsey teams, what was remarkable about them? They trailed Houston once in a playoff game, twenty-four nothing, and I never, for a second, thought they were out of it. They, they, they it was like having, it was like the Yankees. You know, it, there was so much home run power that deficits didn't really matter. This team can't fall behind twenty-four nothing in a playoff game. They, they, they just—they're not going to be that fast. They don't have the lightning, um, and so, yeah, he's a field tilter. He's there's not many in the league. He's just, there's, there's no way to, I mean, even corners in this league, if you, who was I talking to or listening to? Oh, Emmanuel Sanders told me the other day, he's like, man, he got, he just got out of the sport and he works for the NFL network. He said, when we play yeah. the Tyreek Hill team, you know, like even the corners for us, like, Hey, I need help on the back end, man. I, I can't run with this <laughs> yeah. guy. And that's NFL corners for Buffalo. Football season is underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. 
You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code Colin for your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana, or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York, Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You know, it's funny we say field tilter. You know, in college, there's probably five or six guys that tilt the country, right? And I, I think Kirby has proven to be that at Georgia. He's taken that program to another level. And you've always been a big Brian Kelly supporter. And when I was a GA at Fresno State, we played him his last year at Cincinnati, the year they went to the BCS, and it was then he went to Notre Dame. And clearly, he realized he could never win a national championship at Notre Dame. He could never beat Alabama with Notre Dame's teams. Right. And he goes to LSU, and I don't even care. If you're in Brian Kelly's family, I bet Brian Kelly didn't think year one he'd beaten Alabama. One, just from a TV product, that was as good as college football gets. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome to watch at night. But what he's done with that team, and you and me are West Coast football guys. I mean, Jaden Daniels, to have him play that well this soon after it looks so ugly. I mean, are you shocked by how fucking yeah, good the, I, the LSU is? I mean, beating Alabama. I know this isn't this – isn't, I was told by a scout the difference now of Alabama five years ago is 
Georgia now splits with Alabama on the top recruits, and then A&M and Texas the last couple of years yeah. where the cash has been able to buy some of them. So Alabama doesn't quite monopolize right. just everything they once had. Yeah, I mean, if you take out their best edge rusher, Will Anderson, it, it's not. Uh, it's a good D-line, but it's not scary. It's not like Georgia's Not last what it year. was. No. No. And they don't have, like, their second corner or their third corner look like everybody else's second corner and third corner. So I think what's happened is Lane Kiffin will steal a receiver, Kirby Smart, two linebackers. To your point, they're losing about six guys a year. And after about three years of that, you don't have the depth. So because a couple of those guys never amount to anything. And then a couple of them are three and done. So it's right. It can add up fast. I I am surprised. I thought year two, um, you know, but what's interesting, somebody told me this about Lincoln Riley. So Lincoln has really solved USC's offense. But somebody told me, even with the transfer portal, you can't solve both sides of a team in one year. So Lincoln clearly said, I'm going to solve my side. I know offense. USC has one NFL player in their front seven defensively. It'll take them another transfer portal class. By the end of next year, I think USC will be able to play with Caleb in that national championship spirit. They're not, they're not there yet. So I figured it would take, I figured it would take Brian Kelly two years. But the truth is, LSU's got NFL bodies everywhere. Somebody told me uh over the weekend, I got a text yesterday that. Brian Kelly basically told LSU, listen, you just need a grown-up here. (laughs) You just need an adult in the room. You're fine. We're going to be fine very quickly. So, you know, one of the things that, not that it bothers me about the media, but it's so transparent, and the lack of self-awareness by the media is kind of jaw-dropping. The media doesn't like Brian Kelly because he's he's outspoken, and he's kind of – you know, he's kind of that blustery. Intense. Well, in college, I think we judge you more in your in the NFL. No one cares that Belichick's a dick as long as you win. In college, you know, sometimes when you think you're a fraud, I mean, I'm critical of Urban Meyer because I think he's kind of phony sometimes. And yeah, you're judged differently, I think, as a college guy because it's a little more father figure like, right? Right. But if if you really look at Brian Kelly's resume, but maybe people actually like him that are around him. So I don't, you no, know, I, I've never heard players really bash him. No, no, no. I mean, he he, <laughs> I know one person that knows him well. And he he really likes him. He said he's gotten better. He, like Tom Coughlin, he's evolved. He's easier now. He's loosened up. He's yeah. loosened up over the last 10 years. So um, I knew somebody that dealt with him early at Notre Dame, and they like they said he changed early to mid to late. Remember, there was the death of the student. I think that took a little chunk yeah, out of him. Yeah, that fell on the yeah, – Yeah. Yeah, I think I, that, that, that was rough for his family. And so people evolve um, – but it's like the media has to be honest about this. That was the first time he's ever faced Nick Saban with equal talent, and he outcoached him. And this is why he left. Everybody was like, I can't. The, the media kind of took their swipes at him for leaving Notre Dame. Notre Dame's an elite academic institution at a private school in a lousy weather area of the country where you have to convince kids to come play there. LSU, you ask them. And so he he finally had – somebody once told me that about Mac Brown. They're like, man – Mac Brown's problem is everybody wanted to play. He got it rolling so fast that every Texas kid wanted to be a Longhorn, and he got a little sloppy in recruiting. 
but yeah, you just became ask, easy. Yeah, you just ask kids, do you want to play? So, you know, Mac came from Carolina. He's he's really working the recruiting, and then all of a sudden they get rolling, and every corner wants to play for and you yeah. and for Texas, and you get a little sloppy. Pete got a little sloppy at the end at USC, where they were taking kind of marginal kids that you know weren't great character guys. But everybody wanted to be a Trojan out West. You were around here. It was in, they got anybody yeah. they wanted to. So they I, were an I, NFL team. Yeah. So I, I just think Brian, the media has to come to terms with he is in the top three or four in the country. He, he's won everywhere. He's won in five different places, and in like four of them, fast, like quickly. He's really good. Yeah, I mean, he's going to compete. I honestly think, I think on the another guy, I think Jim Harbaugh can beat Ohio State this year. Oh, I, mean, wow. I think his team's really good, and I think Ohio State clearly they're just, you know, Ryan Day's a good coach, but there's a toughness element that Urban brought to them that they just don't quite have now, and that's years when guys graduate, and at the end of the day, Harbaugh hangs his hat on that. <laughs> so, like his teams, you know, it, t- it took him a little longer probably than everyone that I even I thought, but you, his team's tough. I just watch Ohio State like they're a little too dependent on wide receivers, you know. No, Joel Klatt said it today. Ohio State has a higher ceiling. Michigan's got a higher floor. Michigan's bad game is still really good. Ohio State has yeah. quarters and halves. They were just tied with a one-win team at halftime. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they have really now Northwestern's yeah. a decent one-win team, but still, no. They Ohio State has bad halves. It's like Michigan has okay quarters they're never bad uh and it's also the fastest michigan team you know ryan day can coach it, it reminds me a little of matt lafleur green bay and i i think i was um pat on the back i said this okay I'll, I'll give you that I'll i you said that. by year two i said is he better than mccarthy or is the, vi- the division now just awful chicago's worst remember mccarthy faced detroit with matt stafford uh, McCarthy faced a Chicago team, Rex Grossman, that got to the Super Bowl. Minnesota's always been viable. Yeah. And all these extra wins, these three or four extra wins, they're kind of coming in division. He's not beating anybody good. Well, I look at I look at Green Bay this year. The special teams are wobbly. The defense underachieves. They don't give it to Aaron Jones enough. They're going to get waxed by the Cowboys. And I kind of feel that with Ryan Day. We've just given him, we've given him, anointed him great. It's like I watched Oregon dominate Ohio State and Columbus. I watched Michigan dominate them and both the same way. Ohio State got pushed around. And even this year, I've watched them and I'm like, they're not as physical as Michigan. They're not as no. physical as Georgia. They're not. Yes, some guys and Harbaugh, some offensive coaches view themselves quarterback, wide receivers. That's what their kind of personality Harbaugh's personality is really more O line, D line. You know, that's, you know, for a former quarterback, he doesn't come off like a former quarterback. And I think that's always translated into his teams. And last year was the first time when it felt like the talent he had recruited well enough and the quarterback play was somewhat equal. And obviously, this quarterback, in theory, should be better. But, you know, CJ Stroud, I think the media thinks he's like some top two player. People I talk to, I mean, the top two players are Bryce and Levis. Like the, CJ Stroud is not going to be a top. I don't think a top five quarterback, top yeah. five pick. He's going to be a top five we quarterback. Had this exact but he's not going to be a top five. Off the air today with my staff, we went and there's nothing wrong with that. Go and pick twenty. You yeah. know, we we had this conversation with my staff today off air. We went to a break and we were taught. I had just said something about Michigan or college football, and I I told the staff off air. I just said, I just 
I just would struggle to draft CJ Stroud top 10. I just, I just don't see the it. Well, he's not a great athlete. He's throwing to it's a little to a Mac Jones ish. The guys he's playing with. I mean, Marvin Harrison's kid looks incredible. My I mean, God. the guys he was playing with last year. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm with you, and we'll see. There's going to be a lot of you know pressure. Everyone's going to be watching that game, and that's if Georgia, Tennessee, and Bama, LSU. I mean, I, I'd say Ohio State, Michigan's. You could argue is even bigger, given that this, what this is going to be at stake, right? If they're both undefeated going to that game, but. uh well, I'll let you get to bed. And uh So this is fun. Good this talk is to you, Colin. Amp. This has been live. This is Amp. So yep. for all the people watching that will I'll put this on my social from time to time. Uh, we have a deal. It's called Amp with Amazon, where we kind of take a podcast style and we just go live with it. It's like radio. And uh it's fun. We just we buzz through like 30, 35 minutes, like nothing, man. That was great. I, I tweeted too, Colin, but I'm uh, I'm I'm hacked. I'm locked out. So oh, the crypto You're, people have my account. Cryptocurrency people. They have my stuff. No. I, Elon's got a lot going on right now. So I, I'm I don't know if I'm high on his <laughs> on his list to get back to. So uh we'll just we'll just see what happens. <laughs> All right, buddy. See ya. Okay, later, Colin. All right, see you, buddy. Bye. Okay, let's get to the mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. You got hacked bad on Twitter. You probably know this. I do. Kind of hope it doesn't ever come back. Wouldn't mind it. John, as a fellow bald-headed John, I'm a big fan of the show. You were critical of Tua earlier in his career, but now he has a system and a set set of weapons that garner to his skill sets. That being said, do you think Tua deserves some more credit and maybe some MVP conversation? I think we'd all have to agree. Tua is playing better than I thought he would. But when I watch him, I don't feel like I'm seeing some dynamic player. He throws a very catchable deep ball, hangs up in the air a little for me. If anyone's going to win the the MVP on the Dolphins, the biggest diehard Dolphin fan would have to admit Tyreek Hill would have to win the award. Tua can't win the award over Tyreek Hill. Like, that, that just can't happen. So, is he better than I thought? Yes. Uh, one thing I, I've seen some clips of him with the media, like feels like he's pretty getting a lot more comfortable in his own skin, which is cool. Um, I, I I'm a big fan of any human being, whether they're that talented or not, like, you know, not being insecure and not saying that he was insecure, but it just feels like he's very comfortable in his role, talking to the media with his teammates. And, and I respect that. Like if your teammates like you, there, there's something to be said about that. Hey, John, love the pod. Why do NBA refs continue to call so many touch fouls? Seems like more no calls would make the product better. Faster pace, more action. Not sure the business case for this. Any idea why the NBA does not cut down on calling so many touch fouls? Brian in Connecticut. I got to be completely honest, Brian. And maybe it's, I haven't bought the NBA package. I probably won't. I haven't really watched that many NBA games. But here's what I tell Adam Silver. Why is your league already started? It's November 7th. How about start about Thanksgiving? You used to start at Halloween, which I thought was a little too early. Now you start like the middle of October. Like, I love baseball. Love it. But I, I them playing World Series games against LSU Alabama, it's one thing if that game was early October. It's fucking early November. Why can't we find a way to finish the season way earlier? 
Why can't we find a way in basketball to start the season a little bit later? Make your TV product more valuable and get more money. I say it all the time. People think the NBA is some lock to get a big TV deal. I call bullshit. We're in, if not headed into, economic chaos. The NBA's ratings have diminished for like the last five years. They've lost half their audience. It's like, well, the NFL keeps quadrupling. Their audience keeps growing. Like, how is the NBA going to just get a dramatically bigger media rights deal? Well, live sports, yeah, they're already making a lot. Why wouldn't I just offer you the same if I'm ESPN, if I'm TNT, if I'm Apple? Why do I need to pay you way more? Because that's just how it works? Bullshit. Like, what? why? Y- your audience is diminished. What, I, 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 that's what I do not get. Everyone that covers, and I listen to some decent amount of NBA podcasts, like, well, this this next media rights deal is going to be 3X. There's going to be guys making $80 million a year. Is there? Are, are we sure? Because this last media deal was horrendous for all the partners. TNT, ESPN, they got throttled. Now they're just going to pay three times what they just paid and that deal wasn't good for them? There's obviously a value to have the content. But Adam Silver's league, let's face it, is in pretty big shambles. So I can't speak to the, the the refereeing, you know, the officiating in the NBA has always been terrible. But think of what has happened this last couple of weeks. The Kyrie situation. Uh, I mean, the Spurs had a player sending dick pics to employees. And the Spurs are then trying to act like they shouldn't be, they should be absolved from it because she's suing them too. It's like, yeah, it's, come on, San Antonio. Come on, Popovich, where are you on this one, buddy? Uh, they have another player on the Hornets who just, I think, going to jail domestic battery. I mean, let's the, the NBA <laughs> they got some issues. With the Steelers looking like they will get a top 3 pick in the coming draft, what do you think is the most likely scenario for them? Do you think they ride with Pickett or draft a new quarterback? Maybe they trade down for more picks. Any thoughts? I'll be completely honest, I haven't thought about the Steelers draft. Uh, but they would have to get one of the top two picks to me to move off Pickett. I, I just think they are very likely to keep trying to build this team up and build around Pickett because it's not like they have a new GM and a new coach. I mean, this coach and even the GM was there when they drafted him. So I, I think that Kenny Pickett is going to get a couple years. He, he just is because in their mind, they can put a really good team around him, get TJ healthy. Maybe, you know, if they get the eighth pick, trade back, accumulate some more picks. Trying to nail a bunch of picks. They've historically drafted pretty well. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume Kenny Pickett would be in any trouble. Uh, I'm curious if you think Arizona will clean house with the coaching staff and GM after the extending Kime and Kingsbury. They're great, underperforming, and it seems like big changes are in order. Yeah, I, I would say that everything's going to be on the table there. Because you can't fire a player, right? Like, you're not firing. that. They guaranteed him $170 million. So Kyler's getting a couple years here. <laughs> Kyler ain't going anywhere. I think the only question now is, do they survive? My gut says no, but win five games, and we'll see. And that kind of feels feels like what they're headed toward, but not really. I, I don't know. Uh, hey, long-time listener. Despite my dad and I living on different coasts, California and New York, we both listen religiously and often text about the show. Wow, I appreciate that. Your dad's a good guy. Was curious who you think are the top five and bottom five quarterbacks independent rosters. Well, 
I think the top five quarterbacks, obviously Mahomes and Allen would be right there. Uh, Brady and Rodgers would not be, based on this season, I mean, obviously Brady and Rodgers, you could grandfather them in, but if I'm excluding them, I would say that Jalen has played like a top five quarterback. So Patrick Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen, Jalen Ramsey, uh, Lamar's hit some rough times. You know, Tua to me is, I mean, his stats look like it, but, you know, is he a top five quarterback? I don't know. Uh, Dak, uh, Cousins, uh, I don't know. Gino, I mean, Gino has had a top five season. I guess you could put Tua in there. Just when he's played, they've won, which is the goal of the of the team. I would say bottom five quarterbacks this year. Uh, Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, Russell would be in the conversation. I think Jared Goff is pretty terrible. <clears throat> Baker Mayfield, Stafford's been pretty awful. I think there'd be a comp. Uh, Matt Ryan was pretty bad. There'd be a competition for that one. Zach Wilson, his team's good, but I think even Jets fans would have to agree. He's probably not a bottom five quarterback, but I don't know. J- J- Zach Wilson's a weird one. How about Jaden Daniels? I live in Tempe and I've always seen the dog in him. Just being held back by the below average Pac-12. Think it's t- about time the world to see. I remember him at ASU. I guess I never really thought much about like his toughness, which has clearly been pretty strong, right? His, com- his toughness, his competitiveness. I just didn't think he was a good enough passer. And I, I think it speaks to Brian Kelly and how good of a job they've done. He's playing with really good players, and he's playing really well. He was really good the other night. He was really good. Now, he wasn't the best quarterback on the field. He's playing against a guy that's probably going to be the number one pick in the draft. And Bryce is, Bryce is one of the more fun players in a long time. Like Bryce is like Johnny Manziel fun. Bryce is, Bryce is box office. And Jaden did what he had to do to put his team in position to beat him. So, yeah, he's... Remember that first game of the season? Who'd they play? Florida State? I thought they were headed for a just a terrible season. Last week, you briefly talked about how the NFL distributes revenue from its TV deals to teams to pay players. This is super interesting to me. Can you explain it further? How do incentives and bonuses work in a strict salary cap? Well, so whatever the TV deal on a yearly basis is, right? So 300, let's say it's like $3 billion. It might be off. Whatever the number is. 32 times 300 million. It's my calculator's not big enough. But whatever the number on the annual basis for the media deals, which means what the TV pays you, accounts, I think last year it was like $300 million. Again, I'd have to Google get the exact numbers, but let's just pick that number $300 million. So every team got that from over the year. Now, I don't think you get it in one check, it comes over the fall. Well, think about what your payroll is for your team. It can't exceed. It's a hard cap. So the cap, I'm just going to pick an even number. Last year was $200 million. You get over $100 million extra guaranteed. Like most of our businesses, right? I'm not, this podcast is a good example. If we don't sell advertising, if I, I could have a million people listen to an episode, but if there is no advertising on the episode, there is no revenue. So the only way I'm guaranteed revenue for this podcast 
is to get advertisers. Have us pay them for our audience. That's the way this business works. It's the way any podcast works. It's the way any television show works. It's the way the NFL works. The reason that the CBS, it's worth it for them to pay $2 billion a year to get the NFL because they can sell advertising and make more than $2 billion a year, right? So they get more than their players. So you could be a team with no revenue, make $0, and you get guaranteed $300 million. Now, you obviously have other expenses. Well, think how much your coaching staff costs. Let's say your head coach makes 10, the rest of the staff makes 5, the training staff makes another, you know, scouting staff makes another couple million. You're still under $220 million. You got 80 to play with. Think of all your employees don't cost, you know, another couple million dollars. Some of your other expenses. So even if you made nothing else, the media money, you would you would be in, you'd be making money. Now the bonuses, like when I give you a, a Pro Bowl bonus or a touchdown bonus, I'm pretty sure, and again, I didn't work in the cap. I, I just know a couple of people that did. They've always told me that it follows over to the following year. So it's just, that's the way it works. Is that if, if I owe you, you know, my players a combined $10 million in bonus money, that rolls over to the cap that, that next year. But I, I, I can't go into it. Like I don't, there are probably different kickers, ways for that to work. But I, but I do know that uh, that the media money pays for the players. Now you could be making other money and use it to pay for the players, but I would imagine that's where the most teams get their money to pay the players. Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Adios. Peace. <laughs>